So today, obviously, it's a new year. Happy New Year. Hopefully you've had a great uh, time of celebration as last week was Christmas. You've been able to have some wonderful time with family and friends and uh, doing different things. It's kind of a, in many times, it's a, a little bit of a lower key week. Um, often we still have to do some work, but there's a different feel that week between Christmas and New Year's. So hopefully you've been able to have some time with family and now preparing for the new year and getting ready just before uh, we get back into the swing of things. And it's hard to believe it's already 2017. I know when I was in high school, I thought, oh, 2000, that, that's going to be a big milestone. You know, I'll turn 25 in 2000 and here we are, 2017. I'm older than 25 now. Um, so, uh, but New Year's is something that is different for everyone. A lot of people, uh, we celebrate in different ways. And as our kids are getting older, we had two that went to friends' houses and uh, were going to celebrate in different ways. And one came home a little bit earlier uh, because the celebration was not as exciting as was planned. Um, and the other one stayed a little longer and had a great time. Um, and Amy, Micah, and I, we just stayed home. We watched some movies, just relaxed on the couch, and, and just brought it in that way. Um, and today, we get to go out for lunch. It's a great way to start a new year, going out. So we have an annual tradition with her family that uh, we go out to a nice restaurant with all the the her, her sister and her family, all the kids and everyone, we just get to go out and have fun. It's a tradition. It's a way that things can, um, we can just thank God for what he's done uh, and just remember how good he is. And many people love the idea of a new year, right? Everyone talks about the new year and it's a fresh start. It's a, a way that we can start over. We can begin again. It's a time when maybe we can reflect on the previous year. Maybe we can look back and we say, it was a good year, it was a not-so-good year. Maybe we can assess ourselves and uh, things that we did or changed, and maybe we resolved to do something better going forward. For some, we simply celebrate the fact that we made it through the year. We survived, right? There are people who um, just survived everything that the year threw their way, and so they have this hope of something new. And although the difference between last year and this one is really only a second, right? We're just kind of turning a page. We look forward to a new beginning. And I came across this quote by uh, Cliff Young. He's just a, a writer, a blogger, and this is his take on New Year's. He says, I love New Year's because it signifies the end of a chapter, one that probably didn't reach my highest expectations, yet it holds the hopes, the dreams, and the possibilities of a whole new year. I have a blank, a blank canvas before me. I think we each have this hope that this year will be different or maybe better than the last. Some of us enter this year very differently than we did 2016. Our world has changed. We've endured some difficult situations through this past year, some of us. We've seen the passing of loved ones. We've had changes in friendships. Relationships have changed, maybe for the better, maybe for the worse. Maybe we have ongoing financial hardships that we're dealing with. And some continue to face trying times as we enter this new year. But we continue to hope for better days to come. 
Some of us even start the new year by developing the infamous New Year's resolutions. Some of us are going to try to lose weight, the freshman 15 from our college days. And if it's been a little while since college, it's probably a little more than the freshman 15, right? Some of us want to just find ways that we can de-stress. We can get stress out of our lives or decrease it at least. I'm sure whoever can do that can write a book and earn a lot of money with that. Or maybe we just want to read more books. Or we want to learn new things or whatever it might be. And just in case you've not fulfilled your resolutions from last year, there's still hope. There are articles and blogs out there. You just have to Google New Year's resolutions and you can find out the best tips on developing good resolutions. I mean, who doesn't want more tips on how to do things, right? Right? So we look forward to the beginning of a new year with hope and expectation. It's like we're hardwired for this. We have this internal thing that we continue to look to something new. And as believers, that's something that we have. We have this hope. This expectation that things are always going to be better. That because of our relationship with Christ, we know that we have a great future in store for us. And this hope is built on something far greater than the hope of a new year or the passing of a day. So this morning, I want you to just turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It's a familiar verse to many. Um, if you've been in Christianity for a while. But we're just going to look at one simple verse, and I think it has huge implications for our lives. Second Corinthians 5.17 It's nice and it's good to hope and dream of good things in a new year. However, I think this verse, if we can grasp a hold of it, can bring hope and possibilities for us each day. I think this is something that every moment of the day we can rest on and know the truth of it. So 2 Corinthians 5:17, and I'm going to read from the New International Version, which is slightly different than the ones that might be in the pews. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has has come. That is just a great verse for us to just remember each and every day. And we're going to unpack that a little bit today. And as we do that, there are three things that I want us to really glean from this verse. First, there's a premise. Second, there's a promise. And third, there's a process. Okay, so we're going to look at the premise, the promise, and the process that comes out of this verse. So in this verse, Paul lays out a premise. He lays out an assumption on which this promise that he gives us and that we're going to talk about in a few minutes rests. He says, if anyone is in Christ. In this letter to the Corinthian church, Paul writes these words to the believers in Corinth. He's writing specifically to believers and he says, if anyone is in Christ. So he's saying, hey guys, this is for you. If anyone is in Christ. And he, there's such... Meaning in these words, the promise is available to anyone who is in Christ. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter your race. It doesn't matter your gender, your nationality. It doesn't matter what language you speak, 
or don't speak. It doesn't matter what your heritage is. It doesn't matter what things you've done in your past. If you are in anyone, you can be in Christ. And God's promise in this verse can be for you. So touch your neighbor and say, I'm in anyone. All right, you've got to do it with a little more conviction. So turn to your other neighbor and say, I'm in anyone. All right. I realize it's a little early still on New Year's, so I've got to make sure you're awake. Okay? So, this promise is for anyone. Anyone, but it is contingent on one thing. It is for anyone in Christ. So, it is for those who have decided to unite with Christ through faith in Him. Today we would say that it represents the status of a believer or a Christ follower, a disciple, someone who is following after Christ. And we have gone through a conversion experience. We've said at some point um, that we are going to follow Christ. We're going to live for Him. We accept what He has done for us. And now it's time to live for Him. We've chosen to accept Jesus Christ as our Savior and as our Lord. And we begin to follow His teachings and His ways. And I came across this quote by Charles Spurgeon, a 19th century preacher, and he describes this status of being in Christ like this. Now, there's some 19th century language in here, but here we go. When a man giveth himself up to Christ to sink or swim with Christ, when he leaneth his soul wholly on the beloved, when as for his good works he abhorreth them, and as for his self-righteousness he counteth it dross and dung, When he clingeth to the sole hope of the cross, then is such a man in Christ. In other words, when we say that we are in Christ, we are putting our complete trust in God. Right? That's what we did when we said, I want to follow Christ. We're putting our complete trust in God rather than our own strength and abilities. We lean on him rather than our own perceived righteousness. We may have thought that we were a good person, but at some point we said, you know what, that's not good enough. I need him, and I cling to him. We grab onto the cross of Christ and the grace that he extends to us. We have gone through the conversion experience, and now we're engaged in an ongoing walk with Christ. That's what it is to be in Christ. Amen? Romans 6, 5-8 through 8, talks about this union with Christ. Here Paul writes, If we have been united with him like this in his death, We will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. So when Christ came down to earth, We know that he died in a very real, physical way. He was nailed to a cross. He was bloodied. He was brutalized. And as believers, we, in a symbolic way, have said, I'm going to unite with him in his death. I'm going to kill that old self of mine, and I'm going to live with him in a new way. We're uniting with Christ through faith in that spiritual way and We die to our old way of life. We recognize that he is the only way. In fact, he is the best way for life. So we see him as the only source of life in this. We cling to the cross. We cling to who he is. 
And like the verse on our wall says, we abide in him and he in us. As he is the vine and we are the branches, we understand that all of our nourishment, all of our vitality, all of our ability to produce spiritual fruit comes from our connection to the vine. The life-giving flow comes directly from our connection with Jesus Christ. We can't just simply be a branch that lays next to a vine. We're just going to wither up and, and be dry, and there's nothing to us. We need to stay connected with Christ. We need to be fully capable of receiving the nourishment that he gives us, that life-giving flow that he wants for us each and every day. So as we stay connected to and united with him, we are able to do that. So the premise is that this is for anyone who is in Christ. And again, although it is available for everyone, those who remain in the world or in themselves do not receive this promise. It is for those now who have said, I'm going to be in Christ. So Paul continues on in this verse by stating the promise that is available to anyone in Christ. He says, he is a new creation. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That's a pretty cool thing, right? Those who are in Christ are not just forgiven. I mean, these are all great blessings. We're forgiven. We are redeemed. We are saved. We are set free from our sins. But not only that, he takes us from where we were, and now he makes us a new creation. We are something new, something original in that sense. And as believers, you and I are literally transformed into a new kind of person. We are no longer who we were. God takes us out of our old sin-filled life and makes us new. Think about who you were before you came to be in Christ. Take a moment to think about that. How were you, and if we want to, we can say back in the day, right? Think about who you are now in comparison to who you were. I think of some of these things. Because we are in Christ, some of us have quit smoking. Some of us have quit going out and getting drunk every weekend. Some of us have been delivered from addictions to porn. Others of us have even stopped abusing our spouses, our children. Some of us are no longer the arrogant jerks that we used to be. Because God is doing a work in us. And each of us could probably list a number of ways that we are different. That we are changed. So touch your neighbor and say, oh, I'm not who I used to be. Touch your other neighbor and say, that's a good thing. And this is because God has made us a new creation and is continuing to do so. It's not about us turning over a new leaf. It's not about us coming and saying, I'm going to follow these New Year's resolutions. There is so much more to it than that. This kind of transformation is something that only God can do in us. And he does it for us. Adam Clark explained this further when he wrote, The man is a new creature, a little world in himself. Formerly, all was in chaotic disorder, but now there is a new creation, which God himself owns as his workmanship, and which he can look on and pronounce very good. Think about it. Just as God, when he created the world, looked on it and he said, 
it is good. He looks on us as his workmanship, as this new creation, and he says, you are very good. He looks on us with love, and he says, you are good. At the time of our conversion experience, God makes us into that new creation. He takes us out of our sin, and he puts on us his righteousness as a gift. He begins to clothe us in his righteousness, and he says, I can now look on you. I can now have a relationship with you because I no longer see the stain of your sin. I see what my son did on the cross. And now you have righteousness. Now we can be in relationship again. Now I'm going to begin to, I've changed you, but I'm going to continue to change you more and more. We're going to get into that in a second. But as you become a new creation, he transforms your spirit and your soul so that you become a new creature from the inside out. One that is completely saturated with God's purity and his righteousness, his holiness. We have new life, one in relationship with God. We are a new creature. We don't see much new being made in in nature around us. We are a new creature because of what God has done in us. And as an example from nature, think about the relationship maybe slightly crude, but between the caterpillar and the butterfly. Think about it. The caterpillar goes through life as a 12-legged larva. It's just that little thing that's growing around uh, on vegetation as you're going through uh, your garden or on trees. Its life is filled with eating leaves and vegetation until the moment that it enters into metamorphosis. And through that transformation process in the cocoon, It then emerges as a beautiful butterfly. And that is how it is for us as the believer. You and I were individuals who were just going through life. Ephesians talks about we were following the ways of this world. We were feeding our desires and our wants. Basically, we ate, drank, and were merry. Right? But then God came on the scene. He touched our heart, and we decided to follow him because of his call to us. And we saw his way the best way, and we clung only to the hope of the cross of Christ. And through that, God made us new. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That is the premise, and that's the promise. Now let's take a look at the process. Paul continues on by saying, The old has gone, the new has come. While we have the promise that we are a new creation, Paul teaches us that a process begins to take place as well. The old ways have gone and they continue to go away. And the new way of living has come and it's continuing to be lived out. Again, I'm going to turn back to the caterpillar and the butterfly. The new butterfly behaves differently than the caterpillar did, right? They don't have the same life. The butterfly is very different than the caterpillar. The caterpillar lived in a tree or perhaps on my tomato and zucchini plants in my garden and ate them so that I couldn't bear as much fruit as I wanted. That's another story. The caterpillar lived in trees or in plants, crawling on its legs and belly, and it ate leaves and stems, getting nice and fat from them. But that's not how the the butterfly lives. The butterfly does not crawl around on trees and plants. It flies. It no longer feeds on leaves and stems. Instead, 
it gains its nourishment from the nectar of flowers. The old has gone. The old caterpillar is gone. There is no nothing of it anymore. Now the butterfly is living a new life. Completely different. So touch your neighbor and say, I'm not old, I'm new. Some of you really need to proclaim that this morning. I'm not old, I'm new. Touch your other neighbor and say, I'm going to fly like a butterfly. No stinging like a bee. So in addition to being a new creation, a new creature in Christ, we begin to behave differently than we used to. That transformation work that God began in us in making us a new creature continues on each day. And we are called to take part in that. Throughout the New Testament, we are encouraged to get rid of the old ways and put on new ways. To allow God to continue to transform us. To let him make us more and more into the image of Christ. Verses like Romans 12.2 that says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So allow your mind to begin to be filled with new things. No longer the old ways and the old lifestyle that you had or the ways of this world, but begin to be saturated with Christ, with his word, spending time with him. Let your life be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Or Colossians 3, 9 and 10 says, Since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. When we take off the old and put on the new, we become more and more like Christ. We're becoming more and more in the image of the one who has made us. And so we're being called to do that, to participate in in it, not just float around life like, yeah, I'm a believer. But no, we're going to get involved. We're going to dig in and we're going to say, all right, God, what next? Where do you want me to be transformed next? Or Ephesians 4, through 24 says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. It's made clear to us over and over, the old needs to go away. The new needs to come in. The old has gone. The new has come. We need to take part in that. We need to be active participants in that so that it's not just we're wallowing through life. But now we have a new course, a new trajectory that God has laid out for us. And God, because of his infinite love for you and me, wants us to walk with him in this new life, right? He wants to see us change and become more like Christ every day. And as we look at each other, hopefully we can see growth in each other as well. And we can encourage each other. Like, hey, what's God doing in your life? How are you growing? How are you moving through life in a positive way? And not just, yay, positive, but that we're doing things, taking good steps, so that we are becoming more and more like Christ every day. That is the goal. And so, David Guzik wrote this, Living as a new creation is something that God works in us. He uses our will and our choices. So it is up to us. God is not going to force anything on us. He's going to use our will and our choices. So, 
we must both receive the gift of being a new creation, the one that we received at our conversion experience, and we should be challenged to live the life of a new creation. Let's make that a goal, make that a challenge that I want to become more and more like Christ every day. We receive the gift that God gives us to be a new creation. But then we also need to take on this challenge, this exercise that, you know what, what do I need to do? Or what do I need to just simply allow God to do in me? Maybe he's trying to speak to you and you're not even taking the time for him to, let, to tell you. Maybe we need to just take that time and say, God, what, what next? Where do we need to go? Where do I need to go? And so when we do that, hopefully this becomes our desire. And that it goes beyond the point of just being saved by God. I mean, that is a great blessing in and of itself, but he wants to work that out each and every day. He wants us to not only have a new name and a new garment that we can put on, but he wants to give us a new heart and a new nature. That we have things that are coming out of us that are new. That it's not the old stuff that used to come out, but that it is something new, something life-giving, something refreshing to those around us. So shall I say, let's even desire that he gives us this new heart and new nature. Maybe this is a desire that we can have for this new year. And I'll stand before you and I'll say, I need him to continue to transform me as well. I have things in my life that I need him to do I need him to break down my pride in certain areas. That Sometimes I get self-righteous, and I need that to be broken down each and every day. I also need him to help me with some of the fears and inadequacies that I have, where I don't always feel good enough. I don't always feel like I'm the right person for, for certain things. And yet God is calling me to do certain things. But out of fear and that feeling of, I'm not good enough, I can hold back. And that can restrain me from being a part of what God wants to do, not only in me, but in the lives of others. So there's a whole list of things, but that's just the tip of the iceberg for me personally. And I'm sure you all have things as well that God is speaking to you and saying, here's the next thing, let's work on this. And it's not just about external behaviors, right? It's not just, okay, I do this, I don't do that. I do this, this, and this, but I don't do that. And I definitely don't do that anymore, right? Galatians 6.15 says this, and it summarizes it well. He says, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is a new creation. Okay, so back then, circumcision or uncircumcision was a big deal. Basically, it was just an external behavior. Like, I'm circumcised, therefore I am good. Or, you're uncircumcised, therefore you are bad. That's how it was. We can have those same types of things nowadays where we can say these things are good, those things are bad. Okay, so part of it, the action, yes, there is a level of we need to be doing the right things, but we can say and we can do the right thing in front of people, but we can also be filled with hate and selfishness and lust and pride and whatever else. And God's wanting to do that work in our hearts. What really matters is how God is making us into a new creation. So my encouragement for you today, in 2017, let's seek God. Let's ask him to do that radical change in us 
that we continually need. As Charles Spurgeon calls it, he says, let's let God do the root and branch change in us. Let's let him do the foundational work in our lives. It's not just about painting the walls or painting the outside. Let's let him break open the foundation, re-put it together, and now we are set in a new way. We are a new creation, a new structure, a new temple for him to be doing the things that he wants to do. Philippians 2.12 again encourages us and it says, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. We are called to be an active participant. We are called to take steps to work out the gift that God has given us. So today in these final moments, what steps do you need to take to continue to be the new creature that God has called you to be? What old habits, what old thought patterns, what old lifestyles has he been speaking to you about that you need to make new? What areas does he want to make new? And perhaps you simply need to let him. Maybe you've been resisting for a while and we just need to say, God, do it. Have your way. Where is God wanting to work in you that you need to allow him to do that work? What new practices do you need to put on that will allow him to transform you? And it's not so much about the practices themselves, but it's about what they can do in your life. Reading his word, getting your mind renewed in a new way, reading it, memorizing scripture, holding on to specific truths. And maybe it's learning that this is not a practice that I should be engaged in. Maybe it's just spending time in more consistent prayer, just walking with him and saying, God, help me in this. Half an hour later when you're facing a new situation, God, thank you for helping me with that. Help me with this. That we're walking with him more and more and you're seeing that he's doing some new things in your lives. Again, it is not about the external behaviors, but it is all about what God is doing inside of us. In our very core, in our very nature. So if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Let's take that premise that as believers, we are in Christ. We are in him. We are in his, in his hands. And he is walking with us. And he is in us. Right? So let's take that premise so that we can grab hold of this promise that God makes us a new creation. Day by day, he is doing that. He has made it at that time of our conversion experience. And now he's wanting to do it each day so that we can experience the process each day. And as we allow him to continue to transform us, the old has gone, the old is going away, and the new is come. The new that he has for us, that new abundant life. So in 2017, let's, let's have it as a mindset that we just want Christ to transform us. God, we just thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your word that says, if anyone is in Christ He is a new creation. And that it's not just a one-time thing, but that you are continually wanting to work on us and in us. The old has gone. The old is going away. The new has come. And it is continuing to be lived out. Lord, I pray that you would guide us. Give us strength for each day. Give us an awareness of what you are wanting to do in us. And help us to submit to what you want to do.
to really allow you to do that work in us. I think all of us have different areas and all of us can be thinking of different things. And Lord, we want to continually be better. We continually want to grow in you. We want to become more like Christ. So Lord, today we just pray that you would be with us. Continue to guide us, continue to shape us, continue to mold us so that we truly can be the new creation that you want us to be. We thank you, Lord.